Amen. Well, welcome to uh, the last Sunday of the year. Uh, so glad you're ending your year with us here at Lakeview. And I just want to say what a marvelous privilege it is uh, to help uh, serve. Uh, just want to th- say thankful for uh, Catherine and Kim and all who help uh, in our kids' worker area, the kids' ministry area, that they are so special to us. And the best gift that you can give your kids or your grandkids is to teach them how to follow Jesus, is to give them the gift of the truth, that you open up the Word to them, you open up your life to them, that you can teach them how to pray, teach them how to read God's Word. It's the best gift you can give uh, to your kids and to your grandkids. So we just want to applaud you for what you're doing uh, and getting these kids here to hear about the Word of God, but also teaching them uh, in your home and throughout your life as you open up the Word of God to them. I just want to take a quick moment uh, to highlight uh, Friday night. Uh, Friday night is our New Year's Eve party, uh, and we are looking forward to that. We look forward to it uh, all year long. Uh, it's a great time. We have our annual Euchre tournament, and uh, we're going to take down the champs this year. Uh, and so we're, we're going to win that tournament, uh, hopefully, uh, and so me and my dad. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're looking forward to that. We have a number of food uh, activities happening, and so it's just a marvelous time. But I want to highlight it because this year we're doing something extra. We're doing something extra special, which I believe. And we're, I'm getting some help with this. And so, but uh, we're going to have what we're calling a, a worship karaoke time. And those are two words you never put together. <laughs> we're putting them together. And what that simply means is if you have a favorite hymn or a favorite song that we sing on Sunday mornings, we're going to give you an opportunity in the fellowship hall to sing along with Anita or Kathy or some of the other worship leaders. You can sing along with them. and You can request your favorite worship songs. We're going to add that to our uh, celebration this Friday night as we bring in uh, the new year together as a church family. Uh, we just invite you to come. It starts at 8 o'clock. All right, so we're going to dive into our message today for the last Sunday of the year. And if you've never been to the last Sunday of the year, it is a different kind of service. It just, it just is what it is. It's the last Sunday of the year, and it's a different kind of service, and I just kind of learned to embrace it today. And so I want to start this morning uh, by asking, how many use Google in your life? You search things on Google? Google, Google Maps, maybe? Well, Google every year releases the, the top search that people have done around, not just in America, but around the world, the top search of what people have asked Google or searched in Google uh, throughout the entire year, throughout the entire world. In 2020, two years ago, or the year before this one, uh, the number one search was just simply the question, why? Just one word. People typed in Google, why? But I believe what was searched in 2021 is very telling to where we are as a world, not just as Americans, not just individuals, but what was searched in 21 is very telling of where we are as, as a world. The number one Google search for 2021 was this question, how can I heal? How can I heal? As I reflect on our present reality, whether it be on a macro level looking at the world or whether we look at an individual perspective and what's happening within our daily lives, it would seem there is this global but yet individual sense of, of unrest, that we're just... As a world, we've been facing a heavy burden these last two years, that we've been facing this this period, this sense, this this weight of unrest. There's a lot of people who are just tired and weary, and there's a lot of things that don't have easy solutions. There's no easy button that we can just press in our world right now. There's a heavy burden that we just seem to be carrying as a world, but yet also as a very individual level. The world's gotten more complex 
it would seem from my perspective, the world, but also very much as individuals, we're facing this sense of unrest. From a political perspective, uh, I've read this article called the, the, the Tired Middle. And what this article is about is we, we have 14% of our nation on the far left and the far right represents people who are not in this room. that They have very unmoral and un- uncharacteristic, unbiblical characteristics. But yet those are the voices that, that we hear in our society. And that this, this middle ground, that the rest of the, the 86% that we just get bombarded from all these different sides, all these different angles. And, and that the middle is just, is just tired. That we, we get... It's creating this distrust. The messages that we're hearing from both sides, it's creating this distrust about everything. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's even creating a distrust about the church. People don't trust any authority. They don't trust their neighbor anymore. They don't, they don't trust any government they, they don't, because the systems seem to be failing. Everything around us seems to be in this state of, of unrest. It's like, where do we turn? What, what do we grab onto as we're, we're facing this heavy burden? And we want to just shake it off. We want to pretend like it's not there. We want to pretend like everything's okay and the, the, the world's just hunky-dory, right? But the more we try to shake it off, the more it just kind of comes back. And it, it, it's, it's just there, this sense of unrest. But we don't just have the political unrest. We have this economic unrest. Who would have thought in 2020 we'd be missing toilet paper? I mean, where did that come from? But not, now it's not 2020, now it's 2021. It's like everything is, we don't know what's going to be on the shelves, what's not going to be on the shelves. There's, there's computer chips and car chips that are missing. The, the car lots are half empty. And what's going on? It's like there's this unrest in our economy. It feels like we're in a bubble. We're, we're all just kind of waiting for this bubble to pop. And there's, how do we navigate our families through this? How do we navigate our individual finances through this? It's, it's created this heavy burden. There's no easy solution. There's just this sense of unrest. There's inflation, there's the worker shortage, everyone's high. What's going on? There's, there's unrest. Unrest in the dictionary means a troubled or an uneasy state, disturbance or turmoil, agitation, a literal lack of rest or restlessness. Now, this definition is what it's like to live in 2021. This is the world that we're, we're navigating to and trying to, to lead people through and trying to lead our families through. So what does this all mean, the state of Unrest. It's been growing, I think, for many years, but we're just finally feeling it this year. We have the health crisis, right? We have the economic, we have the political, but now we have the, the health crisis we've been facing for two years now. This isn't a new thing anymore. It's, it's two years going on this. We have all these categories creating more tension and, and unrest. And what, what do we do with this? How do, how do we lead through this, especially as believers, right? How, how do we follow Jesus in this season that we're facing? How, how, what does Jesus have to say about this sense of unrest that we're experiencing this year? I think it's importantly that we, as both a church, but also as individuals and as families, that we look to Jesus for answers. That, that we don't look to all these other sources for answers, but we actually look to God's word. We actually look to the truth of the, the light, right? That we, we shine God's word on, on these circumstances that we're facing this year. I think the scripture that we've been going over uh, these last couple weeks really shines a a lot of light to this. Galatians 6, 9, and 10. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. It says, Let us not become weary 
and doing good. Let us not allow COVID-19 to keep us from doing good. Did you hear? Let us not allow the world health crisis that we're facing keep us from, from doing good and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and loving others the way God has loved. Let us not allow the health crisis to keep us from doing good. Let's not allow the economic crisis keep us from being generous. Let's not become weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not allow this political unrest to keep us from fearing. Let us allow us to trust. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of God. What I want to tell you this Sunday, the last Sunday of the year, is that the weariness and the unrest we are facing is exactly why Jesus came into the world. He came to save us. It's not, it's now this, this year we see, everyone's starting to see the systems are not working right. But Jesus has seen it all along. It's not that they seem to be not working right. They are not working right. They're, they're broken, right? Jesus came to save us. And the unrest and the weariness we're facing now is maybe new to us. It's the biggest crisis I've ever faced in my short life. This is the biggest, longest crisis I've ever seen. There's more fear now than I've ever seen in my whole life, even though it's short. I, I understand. But it's not new to the world. We just celebrated Christmas yesterday. On Christmas Eve, we talked about the Magi and how they traveled afar to, to come and to worship the King. It's on live stream if you want to go back and watch the message. But we talked about King Herod and how he was afraid, he was disturbed by the new king's power. That he had every boy, at the time of the star, till, till this time, that every boy two years old and older, or younger, older would be very tragic, but two years old and younger, he had every boy killed because he was afraid of the new king's power. Imagine living in that time, right? Can you imagine the unrest in those households? Where the king just came in and took your two-year-old, your one-year-old, your newborn, because he was afraid? The, the world is, is used, the system is broken, right? Jesus came to save us. And Jesus invites us into a new way of living. A new way of living where we recognize this reality of heaven. Where we recognize the reality, that the, 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 the spiritual reality, that, that things are right and good because Jesus came to save us. This reality that, that's inviting, that, that calls us to live differently, that calls us to believe in this spiritual world that's just as real as the pews we're sitting on this morning, the church that we're in this morning. That the spiritual world is just as real and it calls us to come and to believe. It calls us to come and to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' message, the gospel message, speaks to those who are weary and to those who are heavy laden as we are this year. And Jesus offers rest. He offers freedom. He offers life in his name. But today we're focusing on the rest part. He says, come, all who are weary, I will give you rest. We're going to walk through a couple different scriptures, but primarily we're going to land in Matthew chapter 11. If you want to turn your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking to a lot of people who are stuck. And one of those people is not a person you wouldn't expect to be stuck. Where he starts off in Matthew chapter 11 talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his whole life was full of miracles. But at this point in John's life, instead of being rewarded for all the things he's done right, instead of being rewarded for all the wisdom that God has downloaded into his life, instead of being rewarded for, 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 for sacrificing and giving and, and, and preaching a gospel of righteousness and repentance, instead of being rewarded for all that John has done, John finds himself in prison. Imagine that, right? 
doing everything right, making all the right decisions, helping other people, uh, sacrificing, giving of yourself, and yet you find yourself in prison. This is where John's at. And John is, as you would be, as I would be, is discouraged, right? Well, why am I in this situation? Well, what's going on? Why, why is the world turned upside down? I, I should be rewarded. I find myself here in prison. And John sends messengers to Jesus to ask this question. Jesus, are you the one or should we expect another? Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the Savior or should we expect another? And John is the last person you would expect to ask this question because his whole life has been full of miracles. In fact, John's birth was a miracle in and of itself. His parents were, were too old to have children. The angel speaks to Zechariah, his father, while he's ministering in the temple. And the angel says, Zechariah, you're, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. And Zechariah's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and the angel just shuts Zechariah's mouth because he didn't, he didn't believe, right? Until John was born, then he could talk, and his name is John. And if you know this story, John, is, his whole life was to prepare the way for the Messiah. John is the one. He's the, he's, he's the one to, to get the road straight and the path ready for Jesus the Messiah. He's the one who gets the, the things ready. He sees the dove descending on Jesus and just resting on him. The, the, the sign that Jesus is the one. John gets to participate in the greatest baptism ever, right? Baptism of Jesus. And he gets to see part of the great miracle. Where we see Jesus, the Son, we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, and we see God the Father speaking from heaven. Many of you in this room have, have sensed the Holy Spirit leading you to a direction or an inclination or, or putting a thought in your mind that you know is from God. But John got to hear the audible voice of God saying, this is the one. Jesus is the one. The audible voice of God speaking for John to hear, this is the one. The one, but yet we find John discouraged and tired and worn out and weary and heavy laden at a sense of unrest because he's in prison. He says, Jesus, are you the one? Or should we expect another? Jesus speaks to his disciples and goes back to all the miracles and all the things that Jesus has done, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And he begins to speak to the crowd that's gathered there that day who's stuck. They're stuck. Jesus in verse 16 says, to what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he is a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. If we think about Jesus' analogy that the, the pipe is made for dancing, right? That's the joy song. It's overflowing, right? That's, that's the Jesus came and he's, he's saying the kingdom of God is at here. Repent, believe, I'm here. It's, it's at hand. Yet the people didn't respond. They didn't, they didn't believe. They, they, they liked the miracles. They, they liked when Jesus fed the 5,000. That They showed up for the, for the show. They didn't respond. They, 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 didn't, <clears throat> they didn't dance. John came preaching a baptism of repentance, saying, turn, change, give, like, sacrifice. And they didn't respond to John either. Again, they came out. They came to get baptized, but in their hearts, they didn't respond to the word of God. They were stuck. In verse 20, Jesus talks about the cities he'd done most of his miracles in. Now, they didn't respond well. I didn't believe. They were stuck. 
Let me get to verse 25. It's really really I want to dive in this morning. Let's read it together. Verse 25 in Matthew chapter 11. It says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. Verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, I pray over the reading of your word today, God, that you would give us rest today, God. Lord, as we face a world and as individuals got tired and weary, God, we pray that you would give us rest this morning, God. We pray that your word would come true even in, the, in our hearing, God, that you would give us rest for our souls this morning, God, as we choose to believe and as we choose to follow you, God. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now, what a sweet invitation Jesus gives us, right? One commentator said, this is the sweetest invitation in the whole New Testament. Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. Come, you who are heavy laden, you who are burdened down by the the world and the circumstances, come and I will give you rest. Church, this passage speaks to our society. It speaks to us as individuals who are facing this season of rest and who are heavy laden. Jesus invites us and he implores us to come to him to receive rest for our souls. It's not just talking about physical rest. There's a lot in the Bible that talks about actually physically resting. The Bible gives, is so generous to us. It gives us a day off, right? It says, don't work on the Sabbath. Rest. Get, get in a rhythm of, of resting once a week. Get, get in a rhythm of, of just reflecting and, and resting and worshiping. But this isn't just about physical rest. This is about our resting our, our soul. You can be in the best physical shape of your life, but yet if your soul is weary and heavy laden, it affects every other part. Jesus is talking to something deeper here. He's talking about resting for our soul. The worst thing in life is to have a heavy soul burdened by trying to please God and succeed in life, but yet crushed by the weight of the law and the systems of this world that, that are broken, like Johnny. We can do everything right, but yet still not get the results that we're, we're looking for because it's, it's broken. And Jesus says, come, you are heavy laden. I'll, I'll give you rest. Author David Bloom says, deep soul weariness, we all experience it, though in different ways and for different reasons. Sometimes we can point to a significant factor, but often we can't. Our weariness results from the cumulative, multi-layered intersections of life complexities, bodily frailties, emotional heartbreaks, and the consequences of sin. It surpasses understanding. Because our burdens are not simple, they are, relie- they are not relieved by simplistic platitudes. Cheer up. Things are bound to turn around. I'm an optimist by nature. I want to give simple truths. Cheer up. You know, Don't be so weary. Cheer up. Things are going to get better. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? It's, it's deeper than that. It's more complex than that. But yet Jesus gives us such a simple solution. He says, come, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. The simplicity of Jesus' response here is both refreshing and striking. Jesus doesn't offer us a fourfold path to peace, giving enlightenment like Buddha did. Jesus doesn't give us five pillars of peace through submission as Islam does. Nor does Jesus give us ten ways to relieve your weariness. You can see that in a magazine, couldn't you? 
10 ways to relieve your weariness from 2021. We as uh, self-help oriented 21st century Americans, we're so drawn to this, but yet Jesus is unique. He offers himself. He doesn't offer us a 10 ways to do something. He offers us himself. Come to me. Come to Jesus and he will give you rest. If you're weary and heavy laden this morning, Jesus offers you the simple solution. Come and you will receive rest. Come. You are heavy laden and burdened by all the things that are happening and fearful and, and anxiety driven. Come. You are depressed and I will give you rest. Jesus implores us. He begs us. Come. Experience. You're stuck. You're spiritually drowned. But come and I will give you rest rest. Unique to anyone in human history, Jesus simply offers himself as the universal one-size-fits-all solution to all that burdens us. One commentary in this scripture says, Jesus' simple promise is audacious, meaning quite bold and brave and fearless. Come to me and I will give you rest. The only way this isn't lunacy is if Jesus is who he claims to be, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Jesus' simple promise implies power behind it. That's why it's audacious. That's why it's fearless that Jesus is actually saying, if you do come to me, I will give you rest. He's wanting to put him to the test. He's wanting us to come and to find out for ourselves that Jesus can offer our soul rest if we're burdened and burdening down, that God gives us rest. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to put in a hard day's work in your back and your body. It just wants rest. Imagine that for our soul, that we just want rest. And God says, come and I will give you rest. The question is, is Jesus saying, just come and I'll give it. What does it mean to come to Jesus? What does it mean to respond to this? What is Jesus wanting us to do? Think for a second about this whole chapter that we highlighted. This whole chapter we highlighted what it's all about. It's about the people who deny that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior. Even John the Baptist, he had this moment of doubt where he didn't believe. Jesus, when he says, come to me, he's saying, believe in me and believe what, what I can do. To believe in Jesus the Savior is to believe that he has the power to give us rest, right? This has been heavy on my heart these last couple messages, even Christmas Eve night, that we as Americans in this Greco-Roman world, all about intellect, we can check all the right boxes. Jesus, I believe you're Savior. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Jesus, I believe your Bible is true. Jesus, I believe a church is the best place for me. Jesus, I believe all that, but yet we don't believe God can do anything in our life. We don't believe God can touch our depression. We don't believe God can touch our anxiety. We don't believe God can touch our fear. We don't, we, we say, God, I believe in you, but I don't believe in your power. I believe you exist. I believe your love. I believe all, but God, I don't believe you can actually do anything for my family. And Jesus is saying, as you believe in me, I will give you rest. Not just believe checking the boxes, but as you believe, God can actually give you rest and rest for your soul. That's when rest comes out. That's when God gives us the rest. He's not asking to trust in the why or the how. He's asking us to believe in the who. He says, don't come to me in your self-sophisticated mind as all these grown-ups did in, in Karazin and all these Bethsaida where I did all these miracles. They were trying to prove in their mind. Until, no, come to me as a little child. As these children come and they just worship Jesus because they felt it in their heart. Jesus is saying, come as a little child and you will receive rest for your souls. It's a promise. Taste and see that God is good. And you will find rest for your souls. It's in the believing that you will find the rest. Now, there was a time in my life where I was, man, I, I was crushed. It was way more personally, individually, than, than 2021. 2021 has been hard globally and individually, but, but there was a year in my life where, where I, was just, I was just crushed, just, just crushed. 
I, had, I was a youth pastor at the time, and there was another church that um, needed some help, and so my, my senior pastor sent me to go and, and help the, the other church there, and we felt the call to, to kind of st- stick around and help them there, and, and that church was in debt over their, their ears. <laughs> it was bad. Like, they, they, they were, their pay, the payment was more than we were, uh, had in tithes and offerings. I was just crushed because of debt. It's, it, the borrower is the slave to the lender. We all know that, that that's true, and as a pastor, I, 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 I was carrying the weight of that. I, I was just, I was, it was just crushing. And I, I went to uh, one of our network uh, conferences, and God just released me from that. I don't know how. I don't know why. He gave me a promise, told me something to do, and I just believed. And it is believing that, that that weight was just lifted. The debt was still there. The same ties and income were still there. But the, the weight was gone. It's in the believing, not just checking the boxes, God, I believe you, but in actually believing that God can make a difference, that Jesus Christ has come to lift our heavy burden upon himself. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. When we think about it, a, a yoke is something we put on a beast, right, a, a, a cow or, or a donkey. We would put the yoke on this. So is Jesus offering us rest or is he offering us work? It's a little bit of both, <laughs> What's God calling us to do, right? He answers that question. He calls us to believe. He calls us to abide. If you look at the Gospel of John, the, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Matthew, he calls us to believe and he calls us to abide. The yoke that God wants to put on us is simply a yoke of believing and abiding. Believing in the Son of God that he can save, that he can redeem, that he can give us rest for our souls, that he can give rest for our country, give rest for our family, and abiding in Jesus, spending time with the Lord. It's believing and abiding. That's the yoke that God, that's the easy yoke that God wants to put on us uh, of believing and abiding. Not to be self-sufficient and trust in ourselves or, or, or trying to lift ourselves up by our own boot, but trusting and believing and trusting and believing and abiding in Jesus, spending time with the Lord. It's in this rebuke of these things. They didn't do the, they did the miracles and they didn't believe, they didn't respond. To come, that means to believe in him. He didn't just give us intellectual rest. He gives us rest for our souls. Jesus offers us hope. That's what our soul needs. It needs hope. It needs hope. And Jesus offers us that hope. He says, come to me, all you are weary, all you are heavy laden. I will give you rest. And most of the marketing campaigns of today, they offer false hope, right? They buy this product Get the biggest Christmas gift, right? Get, get the biggest tree and the biggest this and that. And you'll have, you'll have, your soul will be satisfied with the richest affairs. But we all know that's false, right? That present gets unwrapped and we're off to something else, right? And our soul is still longing for something born. But Jesus offers us real hope because he's the real son of God. He calls us to believe and to abide, to believe and to abide. And all of a sudden, our soul starts to get lifted. All of a sudden, that joy starts to rise up. And all of a sudden, we're like that little kid up here. It's just dancing away, right? It's overflowing. It's over my head. It's over. It just happens as we believe and abide. Jesus knows he's the only way to salvation, our only fortress, our only mighty rock and refuge. He's the answer to every question, concern, and fear and need we will ever have. Jesus' invitation is for us to come and to exchange the yoke of this burdened, heavy-laden world and to take on his yoke, which is easy and light. He intends for us to come, not just as individuals, but he intends for us to come as a family of God. 
He intends for us to come together, not just as one or two, but, but as, as a church, as a body, that, that we come to the Lord together. He says two are better than one. Three have a good return for the labor because they, they can keep each other warm, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When we're isolated, when we're alone, and we start to face anxiety and a heavy soul, it's hard to encourage yourself, isn't it? I'm an optimist by nature, but sometimes it's hard to encourage myself. It's hard when you have someone with you, right? When you have three, two other brothers or sisters with you, what do they do? They encourage you. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. God says, come, and I will give you rest. But he doesn't just expect us to come alone. He wants us to come together. When we are weary and easily discouraged, we can be cynical with unbelief, but we have believers around us encouraging us. That's why God says, don't neglect the meaning of, of together, as some are in the habit of doing. But he says, encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching, as you, you see this culture of, of weariness and unrest, that we should get together all the more to encourage each other. And this teaching isn't just in Matthew or Luke. It's throughout the gospel. This is the heart of God, that, that we would find rest for our souls. John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Revelation 22, 18, the last chapter of the book where we win. So the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take of the free gift of the water of life. I've entitled this sermon, Refresh, Renew, Revision. If you need some refreshing from this heavy and burdensome world, God says, come and I will give you rest. It's in coming and believing where our soul is satisfied, where our soul finds rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our rock. He's our redeemer. And we're facing the world. He wants us to come and he wants to shield us with his wings. It's, Psalms talks about this throughout. He's our rock. He's our cleft that we can, we can find shelter in. It's in coming and believing and trusting that he can make a difference where we find rest for our souls. I want to encourage you, church, don't be weary. Don't be heavy laden, but come and find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. He encourages, he implores us, come and you will be filled. Come and you will be satisfied with the richest affairs because God is able to do what he promised to do. Come, come all who are weary and heavy laden. I, Jesus, will give you rest.